welcome back to another edition of the Fired Up Podcast. We've got two topics for you today. First, that awesome Game of Thrones episode from Sunday, The Spoils of War. And then we've got intern Eric with his first appearance of the year uh, for social media in 2017. How it is in the new age. We're at the 10-year anniversary of the iPhone coming out, so we felt like it was a good thing to, to talk about. So we've got those two topics for you today, but we know everybody here is here for Game of Thrones. So let's talk Game of Thrones, JD. Well, before we get into the battle, let's talk about the Stark kids because it's something that I we had mentioned last week on the episode that we were or on the pod that we were excited that maybe Arya was going to come home and we were going to finally get uh, the three kids in Winterfell again. Was it the homecoming that you expected? Well, we kind of knew how Bran was going to be. I don't think there are going to be any more shocks, uh, you know, as far as his emotion seeing people. Because let's get real, Bran is dead. Bran's gone. Are you a little disappointed that we didn't get any of Bran losing his humanity, that he pretty much just went from Bran to dead yeah, right away? Yeah, that was a flipped switch where it's just kind of like, eh, too much upload, overload. Um, but Sansa and Arya, we can talk about that first because that was a reunion that I kind of liked because it was standoffish. You remember back in season one, the last time they saw each other, that they didn't get along and they've gone on these completely different different journeys coming back Sansa shows a little more love early Arya's a little more hardened but then you saw Arya kind of break down when she realized like oh we're the ones left we're Ned's daughters this is us looking at him we're the ones who know his face we need to kind of carry on the Stark torch and that's when Arya you know gave her the nice little hug Sansa got into it I don't know what do you think I I, I did think it was good I mean I expect a meeting like that to be about as awkward as it was you know when she comes down oh do i have to call you lady stark now and then she smiles a little bit and you're like oh they are sisters but then they start to realize over the course of the episode just kind of how different they really are and i don't know if Arya understands kind of what happened to sansa but i think that sansa now realizes that the Arya that she knew is gone well yeah so the the fight with brienne which was awesome Maybe the second best part of that episode. So that was after they go and talk to Bran, right? Yeah, I think it was the the third kind of scene. Um, because it was fun to see, like, oh, you know, she's on my list. Like, what list? Oh, people I'm killing. And, you know, they have a little laugh, and Arya has a laugh. And then that was a great little reveal by Bran out of the Godswood. And then you see Sansa's face like, oh, shit. Like, she really has this kill list. It piques her interest, and she's like, well, who else is on it? Like, you know? No, she definitely wonder. I feel like there's something that you can see in her face where she's kind of wondering, like, and now she's got another thought in her head. Oh, did my sister kill all of those people? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, you know, there was some looks that were being exchanged when they were fighting uh, Brienne and Arya from Sansa above. What do you think that look was? Uh, do you think that it was a reg- resignation that she'll never really know her sister again because her sister's this fighter? I don't know. I kind of thought it was like a little jealousy type of thing. I Because it happened after Sansa walks out and she hears Arya say, hey, you know, you're promised to protect both of us, not just Sansa. Like, you're, prom- you're pledged to both of us. And it was like Sansa didn't know that, but kind of she got a little butt hurt. And then Littlefinger's just standing right next to her, like this little creepy look, like enjoying it, I guess. Because, I don't know, he just wants to drive a wedge between anyone. But, well, we know with him, it's all about chaos, right? Ooh, that was a good line. When Bran came out with that, because we did talk last week about how the way that Bran is going to show people that he's just kind of, he's just seen a bunch of things that nobody else has seen is by revealing those dark moments. And we had wondered what he was going to do when he saw Arya. I did not expect it to be him bringing up the list. It was the perfect thing to get Arya to see, oh my gosh, how does he know about that? And then it also kind of revealed to Sansa, you know, even more about him. But then even revealing that moment to Littlefinger was just, I thought it was perfect. The tight shot that they had on his face right after he said it too, that was a great shot. The only time Littlefinger is kind of thrown off kilter. Yep. But my question, okay, so he, Bran makes the comment later on about, oh, well, a wealthy person wanted me dead. Does he know? Let's go. Let's talk a little backstory because I think we're under the impression from Cersei early on that it was Joffrey who set up the assassination of Bran. I believe it do was— we know? I, we do. Everything points to Joffrey. We don't—in the books, we don't have a POV that says it was Joffrey. 
We have Cersei saying it. We have Tyrion talking about it. We have Cat. I don't know. So we don't really know. No, it's never ex- like explicitly, if I can remember, explicitly said it was Joffrey. But it's known that he was the one that kind of did that. And I think that when he's saying a very wealthy family wanted me dead, I think he knows it's the Lannisters. Yeah. But I don't know why he doesn't tell them. Could be Littlefinger. I don't know. So I don't know how much he is seeing through these visions. Like, does he have everything or is he still working it out? Because Littlefinger's done some pretty messed up shit. So it's like, hey, Bran, why don't you speak up, buddy? Like, yeah, I don't know if he knows everything because he doesn't have, you know, his mentor taking him all these different memories and showing him the ones that matter. I wonder if he's still processing thousands yeah. and thousands of years of memories and stuff like that. I'm, I was looking for Arya to say something, too, because she was around Littlefinger when he was plotting with Tywin back in season two or three, you know, when she was Tywin's cupbearer. When he had Hall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I want Littlefinger to get got. I think that, but that's part of that. That's the train that we're on, that Littlefinger is losing control. Well, Sansa doesn't care. Nobody so likes him. Somebody knows that to him everything chaos is a ladder. Yeah. And now that Brandon exists, I think he's either going to have to go after Bran somehow or something there, um, or he's going to get got by Arya. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does seem like he's got a bunch of information, and I don't know if he's just waiting for. Jo- I think he's waiting for John, and I feel like because John is the king in the north, and he's going to be the lord, you know, the Lord Stark of Winterfell or whatever. I think that maybe all of this information is going to come out when John and Bran can finally see each other. Whenever okay, that then, might be. Then you want my Tyler Klepper thing. Okay, so how do these how do these training swords work? Can any can you explain that to me? Because it sounds like they're metal, and I get that they don't have an edge, but I think if Bran's like swinging one down and it hits me in the head, that would really hurt. I well, don't know. I agree because I was watching it again this morning, and it's funny that. At one point, Arya stands, and he, she has the sword behind her back, and it's just a bu- pointed behind her. And then Brienne takes a big old swing of the sword like, man, right at her skull, a hundred percent. And I thought that was weird because it's like she doesn't have any armor on. Now, if you're going, you're sparring with Podrick, I can understand that you go a little bit back and forth. That makes a lot of sense. But you're totally right. She takes this big overhanded swing where if Arya doesn't move, she's gonna cut off her shoulder. Uh, I think that. You know, it was a little bit for the theatrics, I'll say. But I'll take it. You know, you had a problem with Sansa. How did you feel the child acting was between Bran, Arya, and Sansa? Because you're not the... you're not the. I mean, are they really children? I think for my, my hate on the child actors, I think it's like 10 years old and below. That's when they get really obnoxious. You know, that's seven, six, acting like they're 22... I hate those kids. I don't want them in any film or television. And that's it. What so, about so what about, is not a child actor, I don't think. She's what about like, 10 what? to 15? How old is Arya? 15? She's 20. Get the fuck out. She's older than Bran. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? That's why she's a good actor. Uh, cuz she's not a little kid. So you you thought her and Sansa she's in those scenes 20. were fine? Jeez. Uh yeah, no, I think they're both fantastic actors, specifically uh Maisie Williams. I think just her facial expressions, like the part where Sansa asked about her list and, you know, she kind of laughs it off, but then she gives like this, you know, very subtle like, ooh, I'm a killer. All right, so let's go. Uh, Cersei and Tycho uh, was an interesting scene only because of the revelation that Kyburn has been in contact with the Golden Company. The scene itself was, I mean, I like like we, the actor is awesome, uh, but the scene overall was just filler I felt like I felt like a lot of these scenes were filler because it was like okay we got 20 minutes of this battle and we spent all our budget yeah and we got nothing else so let's put a few of these <laughs> yeah, scenes let's in put, here let's put Cersei and Tycho together it's like oh what do we want them to to say Ooh, how about nothing like how about they just talk for a bit and it goes nowhere that's exactly oh, the golden right. company great now so what so she says I want to recover something that I've lost what do you think the golden company's Come on, man. I was going to ask you that. I think it's Casterly Rock. I think the Golden Company is being formed and brought back so that they can take back Casterly Rock. I like that. I didn't didn't consider that, but that makes sense. Especially because the Golden Company, I believe in the books, is started by an old Lannister. I think it's Blackfire. Oh, one of the Blackfires. Bitter Steel. Bitter Steel. God, they're 
That's deep. George R. R. Martin is out of his mind, dude. That's the best nicknames. That's so crazy. Uh, okay, so the Golden Company's coming back, and they're going to take. I think they're going to go after Cashley Rock for sure. All right, okay. let's go to. You want to? Let's talk about John and Danny. Yeah, John and Danny. How'd you feel about that? What the cave? Just the cave. It was just a little was, cheesy. It was a little cheesy. It was like it was some more like exposition filler that I felt like they just put in because they knew they had this awesome scene coming up. Yeah, I mean, it was a long walk to the cave with the the stick figure. I know everyone's probably made the jokes about little dumb circles and then like little and then like oh look at these white walkers like drawn really perfectly with blue eyes and stuff. And that's great. Um, my takeaway from it. Clearly, there's still chemistry. I really, I swear to God, I thought that Danny was going to propose when she got close to him and said something like, oh, like if they follow their king, and she's calling him a king still. And so I thought like it was going to be like, oh, a queen and a king, because I think that's probably where it's going. I don't know. But like Danny was fully prepared leaving Essos, coming here, that she was going to have to make a match. It's like, hey, you know what? This looks like a pretty good match. I'm a hundred. pretty handsome. I'm a hundred percent in with you on that. I think their the their end point is them getting married, unless there's a sacrifice of some sort or somebody dies in battle. I thought John was going to propose it because I didn't think that she would, um, but I did think that somebody was going to say it right then and there uh, when they were in those close quarters. But I think it's going to come at some point in the near future. It's going to have to. There's no time for that. There's no time for that. Uh, your accent got worse, I think. I don't know. It's like Scottish now. Yeah, that's, that's not where they're they're filming. Uh, how about Davos? Davos on fire. Oh, uh, with a little grammar, a little grammar correction. Sure. Just a little throwback to Stannis. Hardcore fans, pick that one up. Stannis the grammarian, as I always call them. All right. Um, yeah, Davos had some good one-liners. You know, he's clearly all up on Masande. Rightfully so. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's just hitting on her with no regard. Now that Grey Worm's gone. Sande, just all in on Grey Worm. That one, what happened? Many things. It's like, but like what, though? Like, and it's I'm a little. Things. I'm a little curious. I just want to know, how does a eunuch, what happens? What's going on here? Are we going to get some explanation? The next book, when's a winner? If that happens, George is weird, dude. George will have a nice eunuch sex scene. There's no, we don't get no Grey Worm POVs, you know. I did like that how Danny tested John with what should she do uh, yeah. with the battle. I thought that was great because John it just kind of shows his good leadership and things like that. All right, the last thing about that's uh, John and Danny. Well, Danny's not even in the scene, but when Theon shows up, yeah, Theon just reek. I don't even know. It's just going back and forth. Alfie Allen's just doing a great job. Though, he is he, right. Like when when John stares him down and he just like kind of looks down. He like goes into reek mode once he's like confronted with like an aggressive male. A hundred percent. So I thought uh, that was really it's good. Fantastic. All right, let's talk about the battle. First things first. They did a little exposition in the beginning. I like that Bronn was asking for his castle. Why not give him Highgarden? Give him the goddamn castle, man. I think, of course, you can't give it to the Cell Sword. You have to upgrade the Tarleys and ask them if they want it, right? Because they're the ones that went against their overlords. And if you just give that castle to somebody else, a Cell Sword like Braun, you're gonna have a problem. Um, I let them fight for it. You know, that's How about fair. that. How did you feel watching that battle? Oh, man. So I thought the first half of the episode, it was good. Not great, but, you know, there were a couple scenes that were a little slow. And that just brought it brought it home, man. Like, once you hear that, like, that hollering, like that kind of Native American, that, whoo, whoo, that Dothraki whoo. screaming. Oh, my God. And they just line up. And you know what? Tarly is a good commander. Like, I watch it again. It's like, this guy's getting him ready for battle. Like, if I wasn't a total pussy, like, I would... I'd been like, oh, let's go fight for this guy. Except for, hold on, him wanting to flog his men to get them to move <laughs> faster because they were towards the end and they needed to get everybody in by nightfall. What does he say? Something like, no, ja flogging is good for production yeah. or something like that. And Jamie's like, well, we could, you know, tell them we're going to whip them first. Like, maybe that helps. And he just gives this look of disgust. Like, Jamie's such a wimp. Yeah, like, come on, you're man. You're whipping your own guys? But you're right. He is a good military no commander. Sam got out of there. <laughs> and he did. Dickon even looked a little bit afraid of him. Dude, Dickon looks huge. Yeah, that guy is looks that like a same, monster. Is that the same actor from last year? I think so. Damn. He got yoked. Yeah. Oh, I said it's like the Lancel Lannister where he just came back. Like, Don't even remember what he looked like. <laughs> well, yeah, Lancel came back Lan jacked. Yeah, he just went on that, uh, I don't know. Some carb it? diet. Yeah. Carb up, son. 
I don't know what those things are. Uh, I did think it was a little weird that Danny kept going after the grain. I know that she didn't, you know, the Lannisters can't feed their armies now. That's fine. I get it. But I felt like she should have done that where she just lined up and took out a whole row to the people that were in line with the spears, <laughs> right? She'd get like one opening for the Dothraki. They came through and then the rest of the Dothraki had to charge against the spears and the shields. So I was like, well, you got to keep, you know, give more openings and they'll all get through. So I thought that was a little dumb, but... How does how she hold on to Drogon? If there's a suspension of disbelief. Okay, that's she, fine. If she's, let's imagine... I mean, it, she is riding a dragon. Let's, let's imagine that one of his spiky things it. connects, and it's kind of like a handle. It's kind of like a horse saddle. Yeah. And she just can go 4,000 feet up in the air. I felt the battle was awesome. I liked all the fire was great, all the shots of the people you know, burning and stuff like that. Which tracking shot did you like better? The Jon Snow tracking shot in Battle of the Bastards or the Braun tracking shot? I thought Braun was better. Really? I would disagree. It was, to me, it was more Braun. It just seemed that it was a little bit more choreographed. So every step had like a decision that he was making. He would take a step and he would pull a sword out. He would turn around and somebody else would crash into the fire. He turns around and he sees the, the white horse going by. Then he ducks, and then what we see above him, we see the dragon fly over, shooting fire. So it just felt very more methodical to me, and everything was planned out. Where John's was more, he's in open battle, so kind of he's stumbling a little bit back and forth. Other stuff comes in his way. I did, I like the Braun one. Okay, that's fair. A uh, few other notes I had. Um, I really would have loved if we got a random shot of Ed Sheeran. That would have been nice. Uh, I don't think they're like with that army. I think, but God, just just one of him, just. Maybe Braun goes by, pulls it out of Ed Sheeran's chest. Yeah, he's just the one laying on the ground or something singing, like that. Singing, oh singing goodness. himself to death. I did like how this, there were shots of the people trans uh, uh, stampeding over bodies that were just falling into ash. Yeah. Like the fire was so hot, it was melting armor and stuff like that. How about the Dothraki standing on their horses and then just the, ar the arrows and then jumping off? Yeah. Or how about when they take out Braun's horse? The guy slides side saddle, takes out the horse's leg, and Bron goes down, which begins the tracking shot. Uh, I King Robert said, man, don't, don't meet the Dothraki in an open field. Yep, only a fool would do that. And Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. Let's talk a little about Jamie and Bron, because while Bron's tracking shot was awesome and his work with the Scorpion was, you know, a more suspension of disbelief, he loaded it twice on his own, uh, by the way. Nobody was helping him, so I thought that was a little weird. Um <laughs> Somebody should have died. It felt a little cheap to me that nobody died in this big battle where, you know, we're invested on both sides. One, they've got us invested in Jamie and Braun again. Two good guys. We love those characters, even if Jamie and Cersei's a little weird. And then we've got on the other side Tyrion and Danny, and we finally get to see the dragons. By the way, waiting seven years to watch that dragon light up that field was w worth it. It was awesome. But we get these, you know, people on both sides of this battle. It just felt a little cheap to me that nobody died. I, when, yeah. when Jamie, of course, it's almost like you can see it in his head. I'm spearing. I'm taking this spear, and I'm either getting her or she's getting me, and it's done. Well, I mean, he spears her, and he's immediately annihilated by Drogon. That is true. So as yeah, well. like it was, it was him just trying to fulfill something like. It took me back to when he was looking at his uh, the book of the Knights of the King's Guard, and it's just nothing's written for him because he hasn't done anything. Joffrey's just breaking his balls. Yeah, um, and yeah, you saw it in his eyes, and that was like his moment to to end the war. Um, but yeah, to back to your point, I am completely shocked that Braun survived that battle. Oh, I if thought... I was a gambler, yep. I would have absolutely bet that. Braun was gone by the end of that episode. If you're a gambler? No, I stopped gambling. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then. Okay. So then, yeah. And I thought Braun, his tracking shot, like, I thought that was kind of his send off. His send off. Like, absolutely. Hey, good job. You did a great job in the series. Something was going to happen, you know, and then yeah, it was going to be. Yeah, I thought he, maybe he sends up that second arrow that hits him and they crash into him or Dro Drogon just burns him up there. Um, but yeah, man, he, he survived a lot. Did you give think, him High Garden? Give him High Garden. Well, <laughs> Charlie uh, might be dead. Yeah, I don't even know. I, Dickon's definitely dead. Oh, Dickon saving him though was was pretty good. The double head nod, dude. I love the guy comes up, saves the other guy, and they just no words, just nod the head. Yep. Oh, nod the head back. 
let's get back to work. Let's go kill some more people. I didn't like Braun laughing at his name, though, because anytime anybody introduces yeah, themselves yeah. as Dick onto me, I'm immediately going to laugh. Man, just that battle and Battle of the Bastards, they just did a great job of making me realize how poorly I would do in war. <laughs> like, you throw me out on that, and would be like, like, really, Tyler would be like, everybody, spears! And I'd be like, no! <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, I am out. I don't have a horse. It's like, oh, I'll just kill that guy, take his horse, peace, later. Uh, and as soon as I see a dragon, are you, I'm breaking rank, later. What are you doing? I'm getting the hell out of there. I like Jamie. We can hold them. And that's when Drogon just comes out of the air, and that was great. Did you think about Brad's question with your favorite battles? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Is I didn't think about it too much. I think this would probably be my favorite. I watched Hard Home yesterday to get back into it. Hard Home, to me, was more visually crazy because the dead are just you know all coming back. The Night King is there. I think this might have been my favorite battle. Okay. Would you agree? Or yeah. I like Battle of the Bastards. It was the first, that first tracking shot was just so much chaos. Something new, like, you know, I mean... And we even got the new, you know, in the Battle of the Bastards, we got the human wall of dead bodies. Yeah, John we getting suffocated on. was pretty savage. That was... Rickon being a loser, that was cool. Um, and then them chasing down Ramsey and just... And the giant, jo- too. Yeah. And the one one breaking through Winterfell yeah, doors. And then, and then Ramsey just, like, sending those arrows and John just beating the shit out of him after. That was all... I don't know. That I might, was my number one. I might say that the Battle of the Bastards as an episode was better... But I think when you get the dragon fire and you get them in those guys in the armor and they're yeah. all diving into Blackwater Bay and you get the Dothraki screamers, I still think that f- battle was probably my favorite thing. Okay, so we could probably close with the question, is Jamie dead? I, I just don't think that Jamie is dead. There's a zero chance, There's right? zero. Pr- and what Game of Thrones has taught us, save him? if there's no body, you know, if there's no body laying down, we know he's dead. Arya got stabbed three times. <laughs> but to be fair, if he survives, it's kind of a... He's in full armor. He's got a golden hand. He's probably got a sword on him. I mean, if he gets to the bottom of black, you, he can't swim out. He's definitely surviving. That's unfortunate. Because there's no way, because why would you save him just to have him die he, in a... He should have been burned alive by Drogon. He should have just... Yeah, didn't you... Didn't <laughs> Didn't everyone think that's how he was going once you see that heat and then... A hundred percent. Instead, just both the horses get it. Did you know how short the episode was going to be? Yeah, when I play it. Chose. Oh, see, I was either just out of it. I didn't even know. I looked at the clock, and I looked at 7.01 is when it started. And I went, oh, awesome. This is perfect. When you start it right at 7, then I know by 8 is kind of when it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I kept looking down at the clock because it's right below the TV. It's like 7.19. I was like, all right, cool. Big-ass battle scene. I look at the phone, or at the look at the clock, it's 7.30. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to get 30 minutes of just dragging blood fire everything and then right at like 746 it was just like and goes to black is that when it ended it was like a 45 47 minute episode so it's an expensive battle scene man i mean i just can't imagine the cgi it's like oh now i know why nemiria doesn't go with Arya because they don't have any money to do direwolf stuff so i thought that was great i'm excited for next week um but i think that's what we got for game of thrones cool all right the second thing we're fired up about this week is actually intern Eric is back in the studio fired with us. Up. He is fired up, and he, you know, I think he had a good summer break. Intern, you ready to be back with us? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm definitely ready to be back. Thank you guys for having me. You know, second year intern, love not getting paid. I'm Revenues are snacks. exploding for us. Yeah, we're and, good. And don't you worry, you uncapped number of years that you can be our intern. So don't you worry. You keep working that little butt off. Now, the third thing we're fired up about is smartphones, social media, technology. I'm going to let JD describe a little bit about why we picked this topic, but I think, you know, with the iPhone having its 10-year anniversary this year, uh, it was a good time to talk about this kind of stuff. So I came across this article when Joe Berg tweeted it out, um, found it very interesting, very informative, and I just thought that a good fired-up segment for us three and everyone who's listening is just technology in general, social media in general. It affects all all of our daily lives so heavily. Everyone has a different take on the pros, the cons, where it's going. Um, so yeah, we can dive into the article a little bit. But first, let's just talk about the first phone you ever got. My first phone was the brick Nokia. And I believe I was 17 um, because I think my dad got it for me right when I got a car. Because I think when we were growing up... Stay safe. 
stay safe, right? It was about being able to contact my dad or text him. Uh, there was no internet on it or anything like that. I never even really was texting and driving. Um, but I think that was when I got my first phone was that Nokia brick that everybody had that never broke. I think it's still at my dad's house, just in a box somewhere. Uh, but I think that was the first phone. And it just, it had so many less uses than any phone you could get now has. Yeah, I mean, I think I have very vivid memories of my first phone. It was definitely the same brick, Nokia. It was blue. Uh, had the green screen. Quirky, that was, quirky that was totally mine. That was yeah, totally mine. That's it, right? I think it's everybody's. Um, I definitely agree with you. I think the battery is, it doesn't even need a charge. It'll probably still turn on today. But um, I, I completely agree with you. I think the use and the reason why we had it was simply to figure out when I'm going to get picked up. Yeah. That's it. An emergency, right? I mean, I remember our school had a rule. Hey, if you had a cell phone, which wasn't everybody, you can't bring it with you. So there was no concept of having it in your pocket. It was purely like a per- emergency. It's like I wouldn't even turn it on unless I had to make a call. Yeah. I actually got the iPhone 5 as my first phone, <laughs> and I still have it, and it looks great. The white one. It's hanging tight. The white one. I cannot believe your battery hasn't died yet. <laughs> That's impressive. 12 years. Steve Jobs original. Yeah, but I mean, you think about the phones that we have now, and they just do everything. And one of the things they kind of do is alienate you from other people, which is kind of what the article goes into, and it's the basis for you know, the problems that kids are having. And I think it's important for us, like just for our generation too, because you know we're probably all going to have kids. Mm-hmm. And it's something you have to think about um, as you're raising them. It's like, do you, do you want the kid to have a smartphone at what age do you want him to have it like we have kids and that kid gets a phone when we got a phone at like 17 it's almost like that's too late not in the essence sense that they need a phone but kids these days i mean they're getting them as early as five and so if you have your own kid it almost seems unfathomable that you would wouldn't let them have a phone until they were 17 yeah and the five like the five-year-old the six-year-old that you see on the phone they're just playing like dumb little games and that's probably fine. Like, we played dumb video games, even if it was a little different because you're, like, doing them with... It's more of a social thing because you have to go to your friend's house um, where here you have the internet on your phone so you can do it at home and still play with a friend. So you have the social interaction, but you don't have, like, the human interaction, if that makes sense. That's from, like, five to, like, eight, let's say, which is a different age group than eight to, like, yeah, 13, yeah. right? If you're four to eight, and you know what? The most places that we're... You know, talk seeing these kids is at an airport and they're on an iPad. That's about as much as you can do if they're about to get on a 12-hour flight. But it's when you get to like maybe 8 to 12, 8 to 13, right as you're going into high school. If that's when you spend all your time in front of a screen. I think that's when you can get into some trouble. Yeah, I think that's when kids will like realize how much social groups have an impact on their lives. And that's where you get the anxiety and like people being sad because, man, I was thinking about that like – if you were constantly had this device that was letting you know what all your other friends are doing and you see something you're not invited to, that would just really suck. Like yep. we're older now and it's like, I don't really care as much, but like just for like a developing mind, I f- like I could see how it would be very depressing. Man, I mean, I agree with you. How depressed would you be if you saw your friends, you know, and again, they're just hanging out at a movie house, uh, movie theater, yeah. right? And you're not there. Old-timey movie house. And you're just <laughs> sitting there in your room. And that's what they say is like, then you just start getting in this whirlwind where now you just don't feel like going out. How are you to confront those people to say, hey, I didn't get invited, right? I mean. Yeah. So one of the things was like, teens are going out less, but they're documenting everything. So it's like, really flips the situation on its head. And then, which was surprising to me. Kids are just having less sex, which is weird, but it's not that surprising when you think about it. What if kids are starting to get scared to do things because there is too much documentation? So, for example, I, maybe I don't want to go out and like you know try and run around the neighborhood super late at night because my dad follows my friend on Facebook, and if I see that photo and I'm telling him I'm at the library, I'm screwed. Well, you're talking to somebody who made a ruckus video in high school. So we literally, before we even had smartphones, we were documenting it just to make sure that we got in trouble. Why why the hell are you doing that? If I could only, if they just didn't take the ruckus video. This is childhood. You know, this is my childhood. Kids aren't doing this and the world is a safer place for it. But you know what? They're probably a little more sad. Maybe the jackass era. 
Maybe it's, you know, yeah. that, that whole idea of like, hey, it's hilarious when we do really, really stupid things. Let's record it. And it, it's, it is funny how you see videos now and you're like, man, why are these kids so stupid? And then I look back, I was like, wait, I was more stupid than that. Well, part of it is also because in this day and age with technology, people can do so many stupid things. And when the affirmation is likes and comments, it's a competition and that's everything it is. That's why we see a lot of these kids doing even more and more stupid things. They're trying to one up at each other on stupidness, which doesn't make any sense to me. Now, that's why I was asking you about your ruckus videos. It's like, well, why are you doing all these dumb things and then putting them on camera? It's like you guys needed those likes, but you were ahead of the curve. But it wasn't because we never showed them to like anyone other than like us. Like we just watched it. In our own personal friend group. It's the affirmation though, right? It's the approval. And I think in yeah. today's world, you can get that instantaneously from, from strangers. So people. Yeah, yeah, from from anyone. And that's what you're looking for. So if I you mean, don't think I'm looking at SoundCloud likes for every pond we do, you're insane, okay? <laughs> leave those comments. Point, you know, that's a good point. A hundred percent. Now, I'm going to get some bots. When you are out, how often at dinners or when you're out, at a bar when you're having a conversation, how much is the other person on the phone? So, Are you good about being off your phone? Have you noticed that most people when you have these conversations are trying to talk to you but also be on their phones? I would say for me, I'm on my phone for different reasons than other people are. And it doesn't really – I mean it's still annoying if you're with somebody and like if I'm trying to get in a sports bet, you're still not fully there like with your attention or – I mean, I'm not somebody who, like, I feel like it's more females. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't really scroll through Facebook. I don't scroll through Instagram. Um, but if I'm on my phone, I'm probably looking at something sports-related or maybe even something, like, news-related. But are you also doing this? The point isn't what you're looking at on your screen. It's just the fact is present. that the screen yeah. is up and you are not present. Yeah, correct. I Yeah, I, I, I think that's... An issue for me. I'll, I'll say that right now. I think I do that. And especially because as part of the article, they were talking about how a kid talking to their parents, looking straight up at the phone and just saying, yeah, okay, whatever. Now, chances are the kid hears it because I've been in that situation. I hear what's going on, but it's like I don't feel the need to give eye contact, which is weird. Yeah. I have a good question. How are your parents with smartphones today? That's a good question. My parents, uh, my they can send emojis. Ooh. I don't know if they can subscribe to Egg a podcast. <laughs> uh, they can use them. My dad's iPhone is older than JD's. <laughs> he's got the iPhone 4. Oh, man. Yeah, he's rocking the old school. That is baller. So I think that they even oh, have the eggplant emoji? Uh, you know what? I don't think it does. Because my mom's he's... the only one that sends it. I think my, my dad. But you know what she does use? The iPhone... She doesn't use. My mom is all over her iPad, though. So I don't yeah. know if it's it's. My mom phone. likes cran- Candy Crush. Oh, a lot. yeah. Whose yeah. who's parent doesn't like Candy know. Crush? <laughs> my sister likes Candy Crush. I think Natalie's, she's yeah. she's down on Soda Crush. Like, my mom's on Facebook. I don't know how much time she spends on it. My dad is not on Facebook. My dad's not on any, like, social media. Uh, he uses his phone mostly for work, texting, and then, you know, inter- like, if he needs to go on the internet or maps, stuff like that, more utilities than social media stuff. And I would say that's probably, I mean, let's be real. Are any of your parents on Instagram? No. Yeah. What? That's a little weird. I don't know. Like, is it just for, you have a bigger family than I do, but like, who is it? Is it your uh, my mother and my father? My father doesn't post. My mom posts. My dad posts a lot on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're on Instagram. So is it for her family? No. It's for likes. I'm not even, I'm not even really? lying. I'm I'm almost positive. I mean, because if it was for family, I would expect obviously a lot more like family photos and, and whatever, right? It's just but, her, like man, my parents go out all the time and it's just photos of alcohol. <laughs> that's oh, all it is. That it's is martinis and ba- and beers, like that's it. But they're not on Twitter. No, not yet. They're not on Twitter, but I mean, I just wanted that perspective. I think my parents are definitely addicted to their smartphones. But like, I think for sure. So I think the like thing is like the very interesting part of social media and really the part that is kind of an issue because 
I maybe it's just something that I don't understand as much, but for me, getting a like from like a stranger or somebody I don't really like talk to that does nothing to I don't know, reinforce like what I would be putting up is good. You does that does that make sense? That's interesting. That's interesting. Like I just I just don't understand that part of it. I don't understand. So you're not a light counter. You don't really I don't care post, about really. really. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, that that's I mean, the, we uh, could go into cuz I wanted to talk about like what we use our phones for. And mine is literally just Twitter and Reddit. Like I'm a news junkie, which is probably unhealthy like in its own right as opposed to like like fuck today. Like there's this stuff with North yeah. Korea and I am literally sitting at my desk like having trouble working because i'm like oh my god we're all gonna die refresh notifications like refresh just trying to get more and more news and that's probably as unhealthy as like somebody and we all know the people who post something and they just wait for likes to come in i use it to get a lot of my news i do play a game on it uh there are two games that i play on my <laughs> mobile one? phone uh clash clans yes, oh, yeah, you and, guys clan and contest of champions my squad my alliance is deep uh, but so I do use it a little bit for gaming. I don't have a problem, I think, putting it down, which I think is the key. Not looking at it. It scares me that we'll get information and then we'll constantly even want more. It's like we're not even thinking about the information that we're getting. So it's almost like we'll see something about North Korea and we'll be like, oh, fire and blood. Oh, my God. Let's just go mention it somewhere else on Twitter. Yep. Are we even reading anything about it? Like unless you're delving into it and getting more news – we're just asking for more new information too often, I feel like. Just headlines, right? You're just a headline reader, which I, I succumb to. You know, you're on Twitter. It's like, all right, got 140 characters that I'm trying to read. Next one, scroll, scroll, yeah. right? With a site like Instagram or Facebook, if you are scrolling through Instagram, not posting necessarily, what is it that you're looking for? Man, I'm trying is to it find, more entertainment? I'm trying to find those memes, man. Is that's like when I go on, like the, the funny... I will scroll through because, I mean. It's entertainment. Yeah, and the yeah, House yeah. of Highlights. Yeah. Why even have ESPN anymore? You got House of Highlights. <laughs> so if anyone does, if you like sports, follow House of Highlights and, and the funny videos. Just entertainment, funny. Stuff yeah. that makes you laugh. Yeah, that's the stuff I end up liking a lot more than just everyone else's sunset photos. <laughs> yeah, those sunset photos are. <laughs> All right, how many times have you been laying in your bed, phone above you, Scrolling through, you get a little tired, and you drop it right on your face. Are you ready for this answer? Never. I don't know. You those little Trump hands, like wait, on, has man. it never happened Maybe you to should you? Get an iPhone five. Go back in time. Look at this thing. It's just in the palm of my hand. JD, yeah. you've never fallen on your face before. I don't think so. I don't think if I'm laying on my back, I don't l use it with like one hand above me. Maybe I'm probably on my side. I'm more of a side guy. Uh, okay. So right. you know, you lock the screen. So. You but do we were, have to lock the screen. But we were talking about this earlier where it's just, man, because a part, a big part of the article is about like sleep deprivation and how the screens before you, kids are just laying in bed and that's just not healthy for going to sleep. And sleep deprivation leads to so many crappy things. And we've all experienced that, just, you know, bad sleep. Um, and so that's just something like, I was like, Eric, like, I got to cut this out, you know, like, just don't, don't be on your phone in bed, laying down in the dark. Uh, how far away from where you sleep do you put your phone? Right on my nightstand. Yeah, I put it on my nightstand. In the article, they have kids that put it like under their pillow, that's and then weird, yeah. it blew up. I mean, that's you can get what you pay for, yeah, I guess. Right? What? <laughs> Is it the last thing that you look at before you go to sleep? I was just going to mention that. I've gotten into a bad habit where I don't feel tired until I'm looking at my phone, and I go, I just almost fell asleep. And it's like, I'll put my phone down now and go to sleep. And so it's like, I have had my phone fall on my face. almost got a black eye a couple times. But to that point, that is a sleep deprivation because it's like, I'm just trying to do everything I can to like stay awake, get myself energized or what have you. And then it's like, oh, I almost just fell asleep. Okay, I'll put my phone down now. Dude, that is so weird because that is literally the opposite of how I am because I'll be, you know, sitting on the couch and be like, oh, I'm getting really tired. And then if I go into bed, and put the phone on and start scrolling through Twitter or Reddit. Then the next thing I know, it's 45 minutes later. I'm not that tired. I'm thinking about this or that, and it just has my brain kind of rolling. And then, you know, I put the phone down, but now I'm just thinking. And that's just really, really now terrible. Now you're in your thoughts. Now it's terrible. It really is. It, like, just opens up this, like, wormhole, whatever you're going into. 
and it's probably just disastrous for my sleep patterns. I don't find a problem putting my phone down before I go to bed. Uh, I'll actually put my phone uh, away from my desk because I use it as an alarm clock. I do have a problem where I will snooze 50 times. So I'll actually make sure that I plug my phone in away from my bed so that I have to get up and get the alarm, which will then force me up in the morning. And having to do that will you know, have me, before I get into bed, have to put the phone far away, which is good. But I do have a problem where I actually would like to go to sleep with something playing in the background. Like I need like either music or a television show. So I still have a screen maybe up or on, but it's not my phone uh, 10 inches away from my yeah. face. I like that alarm clock Big thing problem. though. That's pretty smart. You haven't done that? Put it far away from your bed? Uh, No. Yeah. Like it's Steph, Steph hits the snooze. I don't know. She just breaks. She has, she, has like, she has like she has like different snooze sounds. Like oh, so a, she knows the bad. Yeah, a, you gotta well, know. She'll, she'll have alarms like five minutes apart, maybe even less. <laughs> and it's like, all right, I'm usually up a little before her, but like, say I get up early and I'm you know at eating cereal, watching TV. She goes in the shower, and then her, her alarm's just like on the table, just goes off, and I go and I silence it. By the time I'm sitting back down, it, another one goes off. I'm like, God damn it. Do you know the last one is just because it's just a siren? It's like, no, yeah. woo, get you up, better, get you better go. <laughs> You're going to be late. Would you imagine that teenagers and younger adults are having trouble communicating with other people? If because of, especially in person? I think that's the key distinction, in person. I feel that this generation is easier to text like you know, you're you're okay with saying things by typing, either by email, I am text, whatever, as opposed to actually saying it in person. I do think that that that's an issue. I think that texting even leaks into our generation a lot too. Like I'd agree with that. Even with my relationship with Steph, it's more texting than calling. Which oh, probably, no one calls yeah, anymore, right? I don't call anyone. But can you, you know, two? you look at ten, probably ten, fifteen years ago, it's all calling, no texting. The younger generation now is like, oh, let me open up one of the million dating apps, and all I'm doing is swiping right or swip, swiping left, and then I'm just having, hey, do I have a funny opener? It's There's just the same fear of rejection on social media networks now, too. Yeah, like you would have in person when you'd have to get rejected in person. Except you can't delete that post immediately. You're just like staring at somebody who just rejected. Just slap yourself <laughs> in the face. Just knock yourself out cold. <laughs> Nah, this didn't happen. Just get up and leave. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, we're done here. <laughs> yeah, we definitely both missed the uh, the dating app. That... Yeah, never never really dove into that one. I mean, it's intriguing, but then it's also like sometimes you look at it and it's not, not weird. It's definitely not weird, but it's, sometimes it can be a little vapid. But I guess that's kind of the point of some of the apps. Where it's just like, oh, we ain't trying to get married, son. And it's just like, oh. And I would not do well on a dating app. Like, my God. It's like the first impression. It's just like, oh, I got to put my face? Like, oh. It's like, yeah. And then you got to say something. It's like, ooh. Can I just really like have a conversation with her for like 30 minutes first? And I was like, nah, that's not going to work, man. And it's like, oh, and I'm, way, I'm way better once you've spoken to me for like 45 yeah, minutes. Like, once you, once get, you get, to yeah. once you get to know me for like two years, like you really <laughs> learn to love me. Get a yeah. good flow. Get a good flow. What apps do you feel has like infinitely changed your life I for, mean, for whatever reason? Right. That, I mean, infinitely Google maps. Thank you. Oh my God. Right. Maps, yeah. Do you remember maps. when we had to print out map quest? Yes. Yes, I do, man. And if you took one wrong left, you just burn that whole stack of paper. Cause <laughs> you're asking know. someone anyway, I see this address anywhere. No. Yeah. And then, or then when you lose that, you have to go to your trunk and get out that Atlas that your dad bought you and put in your car and was like, well, if you ever really get lost and it's like, okay, Here's let me find map. out where me I'm going to go to page 52, go to a seven and that's where you are. And then figure out how to get home. Yeah. And it was a nightmare. So that was, that's, that's a great, that's a great answer. Right? It's yeah. saved my life. You use it all the time. It's, it's just so simple. Yep. I mean, God, you can go through all of them, like Venmo, Uber, Lyft, like all these apps that I have on my Man, phone, like, they all think, serve a purpose. I didn't even know? think about the payment ones, but yeah, the payment yeah, ones are pretty so much easier. clutch. Now, but a lot of that stuff, I don't find, well, the pay to each other, yes. Yeah, I guess you the, yeah. the, the smaller payments that you can have between yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you owe someone money or whatever, that's fine. You know what we didn't really discuss, and this is actually probably my favorite part of a smartphone, group chats. Like, I keep so many relationships kind of alive through group chats. Like, you know, 
people I'm friends with who maybe I wouldn't have this personal one-on-one, but we still have this interaction because we're a part of this, you know, five, six, seven person group chat to where we still communicate. So if something does come up, like, you know, they're, they're there. I talked to them just the other week. You know what I mean? I and agree. That's, that's another thing on my phone that probably more than Twitter, because Twitter's like on my computer, but at work, it's checking phones for a conversation that we're having, you know, because that's, I don't know. That's what I, what I check my phone about. Yeah. So I know, I think very distracting though. Very, it is something where like, I try to be conscious at work to where like, I'll just put my phone away and like, let it charge and just not have it near me for, you know, a couple hours at a time, just because if my phone is up on my desk, face up, and you get a, you know, yep. you just see that text coming, and you're like, oh, well, I'm not just going to ignore that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you guys ever do self-impose, I'm putting this away? No. No, not, well, okay. That's, that's, not, that's a little bit of a lie. I did do one where, I mean, it was phones and TV. So I wanted to get away from, like, eating dinner in front of the TV. And I was like, look, let's not look at our phones. Let's not watch TV. And for me, it was like, man, let's dive into board games, which we don't normally do. But it's like, let's have a forcing function that literally we have to sit across from each other, look at, you know, have an actual dinner and talk, and then just play a board game where it's like, man, there's no pressure from anyone else. No one can interject in what we're doing. It's like, don't even look at it. And you, now, albeit we've done it once, but <laughs> it happened once. It was Nice. It, it was Very yeah nice. it felt yeah. great i felt refreshed a little bit now i also did feel anxious about what the hell was going on in my phone so once it was done you know then you see a bunch of text messages and you gotta catch up a little bit but for what it was worth yeah i mean it, it was nice i mean it could have been something like just our trip to tahoe where it's like oh i mean i guess you wouldn't leave your phone at home but just like hey make a conscious effort it's like i'm gonna put my phone in my bag and not touch it all weekend unless, unless there's like an emergency. It's like, man, that would be pretty hard for me. Like, I'm sure I could do it. And I'm sure if I got through it, I wouldn't really care. Cause it's not like I'm using it for more than gambling on sports, but uh, we'll think about the boat. Gotta though. get that bed in. I left my phone in oh, yeah, you, for I the think, boat. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, 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 I mean, obviously you don't want it, it to fall in the water, but, but the boat was also, Super awesome, and I think that it's easier to leave your stuff at home when you know that it's you're not going to need it, yeah. right? It's kind of an easy cop out to say, "Yeah, I was going on this two hour excursion with my friends, and there were twelve of us, and we we're going to get a little drunk, so I didn't bring my phone. I did a really good it's job like, doing oh, that. Good that job. doesn't do anything, yeah. right? That doesn't mean anything. It's kind of like if you go to the movies and you turn off your phone and you get out and you go, well. I can be on my phone for two hours now because I just spent two hours in a movie. It's like, well, that's why you went to the movie, right? Like, yeah, there's no right. reason for you to be on yeah. your phone anyway, right? Who's worse about being on the phones in your guys' relationships? Um, Steph's not that bad. Um, she is more when she'll be on the phone. Like if we're watching a movie sometimes, and it's like, I don't care. Like if she wants to be on the phone while we're watching a movie, like I'll just be watching the movie. Um, but I'm sure I do the same thing where it's um, annoying to her that I'm scrolling Twitter while we're eating dinner or something like that. But neither one of us, I would say is bad enough to where it's a problem. Yeah, I think um, I'm definitely worse. But here's the interesting thing. Lauren's connected to her phone because of work, which I think is a part of a smartphone as opposed to the phones that we grew up with, right? So you now have apps where you get your corporate email on it, you get your corporate chat on it. And I've never seen someone work more. I think she honestly works more on a phone than she does on the computer because you're just accessible 24-7 now, right? So... You have to chat and, you know, it's basically like text messaging back and forth. Um, That's rough. In that respect, she works more and she's on the phone. I think she has more of a purpose on the phone, but I spend more time with, uh, like, uh, the yeah. opposite of purposeful, you know. On, house of, stupid on, on house of Highlights. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> she's so just trying you, to work over there and I was just, oh! <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Do you think that? How do you feel that she's so accessible on her phone for work? Are you that accessible? Do you think it's because she's at a startup? I wonder if that just means that we're always working now. Are we getting to a point where you're going to be able to be accessible on well, for work de- all the time? That's definitely a thing that like, I people think, talk about. Yeah. You, know? uh, you can't 
can't get away from it. I think it yeah. just it's going to happen. Um, as much as you want to say, and you know, at work they tell us about this all the time: the policy, the work-life balance. Like, put your phone away. You're not obligated, but you kind of are, right? I mean, think yeah. about it. If your boss emails you now, and you see that, which yeah. by the way, right? So you have these smartphones now that auto notify you, right? Like it's not something that you look in and you, and you have to read. It's like, it literally pops up. You're staring at it. And it's like, man, I can't not answer that. I can't not read that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I can't get away from it as much as I don't want to do it. I also like my job and yeah, I like you, what you I need to keep do. It? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, how can you not answer it? Yeah, I guess, you, you know? Yeah. The last thing that I wanted to ask, unless you guys have more questions, I was wondering if the places that we would go to hang out with when we were younger are becoming less obsolete. Yeah, they're yeah. becoming less options for these kids to go out and do. Like the park? That yes. Is, right? Like was, the park. It. Like malls. They just are becoming less and less, especially with everything like being online now. Yeah. Like how much longer are malls really going to exist before Amazon's just going to deliver everything to your door? And when people can't go outside because there's nowhere to go, I don't even really know where this point is going. It just scares me. No, I mean, it is a, a little weird. I'm just thinking of like, oh, the bowling alley. And it's like, man, how's a kid going to afford the bowling alley that in San please. Francisco? You go somewhere and it's like, instead of looking for any of the exits, you're always looking for outlets. <laughs> like, oh, can I plug my phone? I mean, All that right. is a thing, I feel like. Oh, it definitely is, yeah. especially with people bringing their chargers or they're bringing, you know, mobile chargers because they're bringing their backpacks or girls in their purse. And it's so easy to bring this little thing to keep it charged. Man, and it's going to be interesting. Got all that. I just got a free one. <laughs> I'm definitely bringing it to Outside Lands this weekend because yeah. my phone will be gone. Uh, but that's all we got for you this week. We got fired up about a few things. If you made it all the way to the end of the pod, make sure you go out. Leave us a review on iTunes. You God bless you. Clearly enjoyed it. Go ahead, subscribe. Make sure you like our Facebook page and all that stuff. We will be back next week uh, with some football stuff, some more Game of Thrones. We're going to get fired up. Uh, go ahead and send us an email at thefiredupodcast at gmail.com. And we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week.